0: Thank you for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and encourages you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and resources, visit hopeboon.com. I want to continue my series this morning. Let me get myself together here. This is why I wear that headset mic, because I have one extra hand. Okay, here we go. Amen. I'm going to continue this morning in the series that I started four weeks ago called Carefree. How many of you have been enjoying this series thus far? Have you been getting something out of this? Has this been helping you? How many of you know that mental health is a serious thing? Amen. It really is. It really is. Um, I want to just continue in the series today and um, and build a little bit on what we've been talking about over the past several weeks. Um, I want to help exterminate these three enemies from your life that we have been talking about, This these enemies of anxiety and depression and despair. We've been talking about those three things specifically over the past several weeks when it comes to God's perspective on mental health, uh, it's a big deal. And a lot of people deal with on a regular basis things like anxiety, depression, and despair. Uh, And so I want to just give you the word and continue to feed you the word to help you just eliminate and exterminate that stuff from your life. Amen. I believe that Christians ought to be the happiest, strongest, healthiest people on the planet. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, we ought to, we've got the same spirit living in us that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse 11. I mean, if the spirit of God was strong enough to resurrect Jesus's body from the grave, don't you think it's powerful enough that same spirit is strong enough to, to help you beat depression? Don't you believe that it's strong enough to help you to win in life over anxiety and over despair? I sure do. Amen. I want to read to you our two scriptures that have been our main text, texts. And the first one is John chapter 15, verse 11, John 15, verse 11. Jesus is speaking and he says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And then we go over to Philippians chapter four, verse seven. And it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. As you know that I've been doing the past several weeks, I like to read them together. I give you my joy that my, these things I've said to you, sorry, quoted it wrong. These things I've said to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A quick moment of review, and then we'll pray, we'll make our confession of faith, and we'll dive in, okay? Y'all doing good this morning? You still love me? you still happy? you still good? Okay, all right, let's go. Here we go. In In week one, we learned that joy and peace, the two things we just read about, are the will of God for every single person. Joy and peace are the will of God for every single person on planet Earth. Not just every single Christian. Every single person deserves a life of joy and peace. In week two, we learned that prayer is the cure for anxiety. That praise is the cure for depression. And that faith is the cure for despair. Let me read that to you one more time. In week two, we learned that prayer is the cure for anxiety. Praise is the cure for depression, and faith is the cure for despair. Last week, we learned that Jesus wants to carry our cares and clothe us in his joy. Today, we're going to focus on one of the most important things that I will talk to you about in this whole series, which is on renewing our minds. Okay, so get ready for that. Let's make our confession of faith, and then we'll pray and jump in. You'll see this on on the screens. And if you're watching and joining us online, you'll see this on your screen as well. Let's read this out loud together. Thank you, Father, that today the eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive. Today I am growing in the things of God. Amen. We believe that. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this opportunity, another opportunity that you've, been, that you've given us to dive into your word, to go head first into the scriptures, to see and understand, to know what it is that you want to speak into our hearts. And Father, today I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which does give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that every single person today would be significantly impacted by your word, that we would not leave in the same condition in which we came, but that, Father, we would go forth from this place, having been built up and strengthened, secured and steadied, fortified internally, so that we can go out and accomplish the things that you've called us to do. We give you praise and thanksgiving for these things in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, say amen and amen. I want to talk to you today about renewing and rebuilding your mind. I think this is one of the most important things and one of the most important concepts that we're going to talk about and discuss in this series. I want to talk to you about changing your thoughts so that the devil can't hijack them anymore. Let me say that again. I want to talk to you today about changing your thoughts so that the devil can't hijack them anymore. How many of you have had experiences in your life where you felt like the enemy has hijacked your thoughts? Anybody ever just been minding your own business when all of a sudden a thought attack comes out of nowhere and you're like, what is that all about? I don't know about you, but I've been there many times. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible gives us very good news because there's a very clear-cut, distinct, actionable way that you and I can live free from worry, from anxiety, from depression, and from despair. And one of the keys is to renew our minds. So, I want to talk about changing your thoughts. So the devil can't hijack them anymore. But, but more than just that, we want to you know, talk about changing not just what it is that we're thinking, but how and why we think. I believe that God doesn't just want to change your thoughts, He wants to change the pattern of your thoughts. He wants, to, he wants to help you to understand why you should think a certain way and how to think that way. Amen. As believers, we need to understand the magnitude of this concept that the Bible calls renewing our minds. I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 12. If you've been in church before, you probably knew that verse was coming. But as I said, out of this entire series, today may be the most important concept that we're going to discuss together. And I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, and I want you to write it down if you're not taking notes. If you're going to live a carefree life, you're going to have to renew your mind. Amen. This is a non-negotiable. If you're going to live a carefree life, that's the title of our series. That's the graphic. This lady's so happy. She's throwing her arms out in the air, and she just looks so carefree. If you're going to live like that on the inside, you're going to have to learn to renew your mind. Amen? So let's go to Romans chapter 12. And, uh, boy, I'm happy. Sometimes I have to preach myself into happiness, but today I'm starting happy, which is really nice. Amen. I'm just just giving you a little FYI. <clears throat> uh, Romans chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read it for you in a couple different translations, okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I'm reading from the New King James, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service of worship. And do not be conformed, verse 2, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many of you have walked with God long enough to know that his will for your life is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect? Amen? It's good. That means it's not bad. Okay? Amen. Sometimes you got to just remind people that God's will for their life is not bad. It's good. It's a good will. Amen. It's acceptable. That means it's reasonable. That means you can accept it. You can take hold of it. You can grab a hold of it and say, you know what? This is God's will for my life, and I can, I can see myself living in it. And then it's perfect. That means it's without defect. It's not flawed. Amen. God's will for your life is perfect. So he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind very good boys and girls you all get gold stars for that audience participation let me read it to you in a couple other translations this is the new living translation it says and so dear brothers and sisters i plead with you to give your bodies to god because of all that he's done for you let them be a living and holy sacrifice that he will find the kind he will find acceptable This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Look at that. That last sentence, I have it bolded in my notes. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but watch this. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. So many Christians live their lives, they receive the gift of salvation, their spirits are made alive to God, and that's where they stop. And they say, okay, I'm good till glory. I'm good till I get to heaven. Praise God, I'm saved. And you are, you're going, you're on your way to heaven. Praise God, it's gonna be good. But how many of you know that God has a transforming work that he wants to do in your life and the way that he accomplishes that is by the changing and renewing and transformation of your mind. Then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let me read it for you in the Amplified Classic Edition, the AMPC as it's listed. This is a long one. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication. Look at that. To make a decisive dedication. You see, renewing of your mind and submitting your life to the Lord so that He can do the transforming is dedicated. It takes dedication. It takes decisiveness. You have to, you have to decide. You know what? I'm not just gonna. I'm not just going to live life by default. I'm actually going to be intentional in my decision to allow God to transform me. It requires a decisive decision, a dedication to the purpose of God. Let's keep reading. Make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Verse 2 Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. Don't y'all love the Amplified? Ay, ay, ay. Don't be conformed to this world. What does it mean to be conformed to this world? Fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. How many of you have lived enough life to recognize that the world is completely superficial? Yeah? The world lives outside in. The body of Christ lives inside out. Amen. This is bigger than you know. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. What's what's the point in all of this? It is very possible for the way you think to change. It is very possible. That might be the most hopeful thing I say to you this morning. It is very, very possible for the way that you think to change. A lot of people live life with the idea that people don't really change. I'll never forget hearing it for the first time in the movie Frozen. My kids were, y'all didn't see that coming. <laughs> uh, my kids were listening to Frozen in the soundtrack, and there's a line where they say uh, you weren't, you, you're not going to try to change him because people don't really change. It's in the sense with the trolls when they're talking about Anyways, There's a point in this song where they say, we're not saying you can change him because people don't really change. And I was like, that's a lie. That's a lie. The devil would love for you to believe that you can't change that it's impossible for you to change. But the Bible tells us in so many places, not just this, but in so many different places, that God, in fact, wants you to change. It's possible for you to change. His desire is for you to change. And that as you walk with him, you will change. Amen. Hey, I'm not the same I used to be. Remember, what did the blind man say after he met Jesus? I once was blind, but now I see. What's that called? Change. Right? It's not hard. I mean, when you get around Jesus, you change. When you get around His Word, your mind changes. One of the most frustrating Christians is the Christian who loves Jesus but doesn't want their mind to change. I'm telling you, man, it's one of the most frustrating places to be in in your Christian life is when you just love Jesus and you want everything that He has for you, but you don't want to be bothered to change your thinking. Amen. Coming for you this morning. I hope you're ready. It's very possible for the way you think to change. In fact, it's necessary for your growth in the purpose of God for your life. Check this out. You'll become a new person when your mind gets renewed. Have you ever really just desired to be a new person? Especially in a certain area of life, like man, I just I, I just feel so trapped by the way that I typically do things. I just wish I was different. I just wish I could change. Has anybody ever felt that besides me? Man, I just wish I was more disciplined. Oh man, I just wish that I w- I just wish I was a healthier eater. Oh, I just wish I was more disciplined about my bedtime. I wish I was more disciplined about my quiet time. I wish I had a better attitude. I wish I was kinder to people. I wish that I had more patience for my children. I wish that I could just be a better husband for my wife. Anybody besides me ever wanted to be just different? Just change? I'm here to tell you, you'll become a new person when you change the way you think. But you're going to have to give up some old ways of thinking. It's got to be out with the old in with the new. If you want to actually change. Now let's look at a few words here to make sure that we understand the point that Paul is trying to make. I want to walk you through a couple of these words. The first is the word conformed. If you'll put uh, verse 2 back up. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's, let's talk about this word conformed for a second. We actually get the word, our, our English word schematic from this Greek word. And it means to conform to another's pattern. To conform to another's pattern. Or to conform to someone or something else's pattern. Pay close attention to the word pattern. Your thoughts are not random. Random. Your thought processes, your thought life is not random. It's a pattern that's been developed in your life over years of time. How many of you figured this out? Maybe when you got married or or you moved out of the house for the first time. or, Or how about this? When you had kids. And then all of a sudden, you're in the middle of telling your kids something and you realize you sound exactly like your parents. What is that? It's a pattern. It's a pattern of thinking. It's a pattern of doing. It's a pattern of life. Life is made up of patterns. And this word conformed means to be conformed to someone else or something else's pattern. Paul tells us that it's the pattern of the world. The enemy is trying to conform you to the pattern of the world. Keep this word pattern in your mind and let me give you a visual. How many of you, uh, you your, your kids have Play-Doh and they play with Play-Doh molds? My little five-year-old still plays with Play-Doh. She loves it. She forgets to put the lid on all the time. Then it gets dry and we have to buy more. It happens. But she'll do this. She'll be playing with Play-Doh in the kitchen, and she'll take this mold of like a cupcake or a banana or something like that, and she'll take the Play-Doh and mash it into that mold, and then she'll pop it out of the mold and bring it to me and say, Look, Daddy, I made you a, I made you a cupcake. And then you do the typical parent thing. You go, Oh, that looks so delicious. And, you, and then you hand it back to her. Oh, that was so good. May I have another, please? Right? We play bakery. That's what we do. Amen. What is, what is happening with the Plato? The Plato has no choice in the matter. It's getting molded to something else by the will of someone else. It's being pressed and mashed and, and pushed into this mold so that it doesn't look like Plato. It looks like whatever the mold looks like. The devil knows that if he can control your patterns, He can control your life. Let me say that one more time. The devil knows that if he can control your patterns, he can control your life. If he can mash you into and conform you to the mold of thinking that this world operates with, he can get you trapped. The funny thing is on the you know conversely, God's not trying to conform you. Did you ever think about that? A lot of us think sometimes that God is trying to manipulate us into the image of Christ. Well, you know, just the Lord's just, oh man, I just I would go to church, but it, I just feel like I'm being forced into being somebody that I'm not. That's condemnation, my friend. you get rid of that. God's goal is not to conform you into the image of his son. His goal and his desire has always been for transformation. He wants to transform you into the image of Christ. God's goal has always been for transformation, not for conformation. Transformation means that you were recreated for a different purpose. This word transform in the Greek is the Greek word metamorphosis. Those of us who uh, went to elementary school, which I hope is most of us, uh, will remember the caterpillar and the butterfly from grade school. How many of you had a caterpillar and a butterfly, like maybe about fourth grade? You put that caterpillar in the jar and put it next to the window, make sure you feed it enough leaves every day at one point it's going to start to spin that cocoon and it's going to go through that process that we call metamorphosis it comes from this greek word and it means to, to it means to start out in one as one thing and become something completely different it's a total transformation i want you to understand that the picture of the caterpillar and the butterfly is the exact outcome that you can expect if you'll just let God reshape how you think. (laughs) The picture of the caterpillar and the butterfly is the exact outcome you can expect if you'll just let God reshape how you think. What's the word renew? He goes on to say that we're transformed by what? By what, Paul? The renewing of our mind. What does the word renew mean? It means a complete change for the better. Oh man, isn't that good? A complete change for the better. How many of you would just be like, yes, oh my gosh, I, yes, this is such a great promise. I would love for a complete change for the better in the way that I think. I'm here to tell you it's possible, guys. It's absolutely possible, amen. We could read, based on what we just discussed, we could read verse two this way. Don't be manipulated and molded into the patterns of this world. But instead, experience a total metamorphosis by a transformation, a complete change for the better in the way that you think. Isn't that awesome? What a promise. What a promise. So how does this happen? You see, we talk about these things, we get excited about them, and then if we're not careful... We just go home excited and we don't actually know how to get there. Hey Amen. If I talked to my kids all about Disney World on the way home today, they would be super excited. They have no idea how to get to Disney World. And Sometimes we do that in church. You know, we get really pumped up about something. We're like, yes, that's God's will for my life. Glory to God. Now what? How does this happen? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is so, so So important. How does this transformation by renewing of my mind actually take place? It happens when God's word becomes the absolute standard for your thinking. Mind renewal happens when God's word, his written word, becomes the absolute standard for your thinking. Do you remember what God said to Joshua in the first chapter of Joshua, the best book of the Bible? Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Let me read it to you from the NIV. You don't have to turn there, just listen. God says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. What was God telling Joshua? He was saying, Joshua, as you go into this land, there's gonna be giants, there's gonna be walled cities, there's gonna be things you're gonna have to face. Keep this book of the law always on your lips, always keep it in the midst of your heart. How do I get my mind renewed? When God's word becomes the absolute standard for your thinking. Let me read it to you this way. When every thought, somebody say, every thought. Every thought, thought, Pastor? Every thought? Forever, ever, forever, ever? Some of you got that. When every thought, yes, every thought, gets measured by the standard of God's written word. That's when mind renewal will begin to happen. Can I tell you that you will never change your thinking without this Bible? won't do it. A lot of people think that because we have the Holy Ghost, we don't need the Bible anymore. You will never change your life without this Bible. If you don't know, What the word says. You'll never know whether or not the thought you're thinking is right or not. There's got to be a standard, y'all. There's got to be something that we measure our thoughts by. One of the things that plagues our world, and particularly this generation, is their inability to measure the validity of their own thoughts. Oh, I had a thought, must be right. Hey, I got an opinion, must be right. Don't make me go there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh man, I'm thinking something, so it must be accurate. Listen, if you don't know what God's word is, you don't know whether or not the thoughts you're thinking are true or not true. And we cannot afford in this hour that we live in, we cannot afford in our lives to have time wasted thinking certain thoughts are right when they're not. Amen. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Y'all remember the sign on the roller coaster? Every, roller, every entrance to every roller coaster in your life has a sign somewhere near the front of the line that says you must be this tall to ride the ride. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That's the same thing that I'm talking about. Does the thought that I'm having measure up to God's standard, to his word? God's word is the ruler and every thought in my life has got to measure up to his word or it doesn't get to ride. Amen. When a thought? hits your mind, you got to immediately be able to go, is that God's word? Does that line up with God's word? Is that tall enough to ride the ride? I had a, I had a, a place I used to work years ago, and, I, and I, uh, I, I was sitting down at my desk, and this old lady that, that worked there was the sweetest old lady. I loved her so much. She's gone home to be with Jesus now. But she walked past my desk, and she and I didn't always agree. And, and she walked past my desk one morning and I happened to just be coughing. I was like, <coughs> as she was walking by. And she goes, sounds like you got the flu. I said, excuse me. I said, no, I don't. She said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. She said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. That thought was not tall enough to ride the ride. Because Isaiah 53 says that by Jesus' stripes, I'm the healed of the Lord, not the sick of the devil. So that thought doesn't get to party. That thought doesn't make it onto the ride. You gotta have something that stops the unbelieving thoughts of this world. God's word's gotta be the standard. Every single thought, every single time. We have to be willing to allow every thought to undergo this kind of scrutiny. You say, Pastor, really? Yes. That sounds like work. Let me say it to you this way. It's at the very least intentional. God will help you. God will help you. God will give you grace to have a renewed mind. Don't think you've got to do this on your own. Amen. Don't think you gotta do this on your own. The Holy Spirit is right there to help you. The Bible calls him the helper. So the Holy Spirit will help you do this. He'll help this renewed mind begin to take shape within you, but it is going to require you to, to make a decision and say, you know what? From now on, I'm not gonna think the way I used to think. And I'm gonna get in the word of God and let the word of God shape my thinking so that I know every time a thought comes whether or not it gets to ride. You following me this morning? Let's look at some scripture to help us understand this further. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is such an amazing verse. Some of y'all know where I'm going already. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, All scripture. How much? All, very good. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for four things. For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture, that same Scripture that I said has got to become the standard for your thought life, that same Scripture was given by inspiration of God. That means God inspired, the Holy Spirit inspired men, apostles of old, to write these things so that when we read these things, we can understand doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. This whole verse... Reveals to us how God's word works to renew and reshape our minds. You follow me so far? Wasn't a trick question. Are you following me so far? Very good. The word of God shows me doctrine. Number one, that's what I believe. Doctrine is what you believe. Hopefully, you believe good doctrine, not bad doctrine. If you come to this church regularly, You believe good doctrine. Amen? Because we work very diligently to make sure that we're not up here preaching opinions, but we preach the word. Amen? Glory to God. So the word of God shows me what I believe. Number two, the word of God shows me reproof. This is the word which means evidence or conviction. It's the why I believe what I believe. The word doesn't just show me what I believe, it shows me why I should believe what I believe. It's the word which means evidence or conviction, an established framework. I love the word reproof. It's one of my favorite words in this verse, actually. Because it means this this systematic approach to why I believe what I should believe. In fact, I think it's one of the things that plagues our generation is that people believe things, but they don't know why they believe them. They can't give a very good def- defense of why they believe something. Why do you believe that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me I should believe that. In fact, so many people, that's how they that's how they build their framework and their understanding is they just go on TikTok and then somebody from somewhere else tells them what they ought to believe. And they just think that because somebody said it, it must be true. You know, it's on the internet after all. So, I mean, of course it's facts, right? But this word reproof, it speaks of, it speaks of the structure of why I believe what I believe. It's this framework for my thinking and for my believing. I love that it's the word reproof because uh, if you're at all familiar with baking, which I am, because uh, I love carbs. <laughs> the, the bakers will, and Tim will tell you, he went to culinary school. Bakers will, will use the word proof to describe when a bread loaf is taking shape. Anybody ever try to cook a bread loaf and you didn't put the yeast in, right? And so you thought you were gonna get a loaf of bread and you got a pita <laughs> or a naan. It was like, this is delicious flatbread. Yeah, well, it was a mistake. No, there's something called yeast that goes into the dough, and then that yeast begins to build the structure on the inside of that bread, and they call it proofing. Well, the Word of God's designed to come into your life and build up the inner structure of your thinking so that you can believe the right stuff and so that you can think the right way. So it gives me doctrine, what I believe. It gives me reproof, why I believe what I believe. It gives me correction, which means it fixes my thinking when I get off track. And can I tell you something? Everybody gets off track. Everybody get, quit beating yourself up. Quit beating yourself up for thinking something wrong. Once the, once the word of God shows you what's right, rejoice. Now you know what to change. I mean, so many times we just get so bummed out. It's like, I can't believe I used to think that way. Okay, well, get over it. Now you don't. You don't have to anymore because the word of God came and the the light bulb went off in your heart and your thinking became illuminated. The spirit of wisdom and revelation went to work and all of a sudden you see something you never saw before. Don't feel bad for thinking what you used to think. Get happy because of what you now know. Amen. Amen. That's, That's good. Hallelujah. I, I, I remember my, one of my favorite Bible teachers, a gentleman named Dr. Fount Schultz, and he lives in South Carolina, and he, he used to teach um, in Dallas, and he was with Dallas Theological Seminary one day, and uh, he was coming under fire by some of the faculty. They put him on a panel to question his uh, beliefs because he was teaching some stuff, and they didn't like what it, was, what it was that he was teaching, and so they said to him, uh, Dr. Schultz, didn't you believe this way? Didn't you, aren't you quoted publicly as saying this? And now you say this? And he goes, yeah. And they say, don't you see that that's a problem? He said, no, I'm learning. I'm growing. Didn't you ever change your mind on something? Or is your belief system so static that even God can't get through to you? Amen. (laughs) Amen. I'm just going to leave that there. Everybody gets off track. So let the word of God and the spirit of God just move you right back in step. And finally, it shows me instruction. Everybody needs instruction. Amen. This is what shows me how to think, how to live. It's his word. The last thing I want to share with you comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So when we understand that if we're going to have a renewed mind, well, let me back up. We understand that if we're going to live a carefree life, we need to have a renewed mind. And if we're going to have a renewed mind, then we've got to let the Word of God be the absolute standard for our thought life. And if we understand now that the Word of God is going to provide to us all these different things, like what to believe and how to believe it and why we believe it, now the question remains, how do we use all of this to our advantage? Pastor, give me something practical that I can do starting right now. How do we use this to our advantage to ensure that we will always walk in victory in our thought lives? One more scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How do we use this, what we've learned, to our advantage to ensure that we'll always walk in victory in our lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 and 5. Paul's speaking, he says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Boy, isn't that good. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not natural, physical things. How do you defeat the enemy in your life? Not by physically fighting him. Our weapons are not carnal. Some days I wish I could, you know, get in a boxing ring with the enemy just because I think it would be fun. But the way that I win, the way that I conquer, the way that I have victory in my thought life comes in verse five. Casting down arguments... And every haughty, high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Stop right there. Can I tell you that every time you have a thought that's trying to lead you into anxiety, it's a prideful, self-exalting thought that is trying to compete with God's word. Look at it. Look what it says. Casting down arguments. And every high thing, the word high in the Greek there means haughty, prideful. Every haughty, prideful thing that exalts itself, promotes itself. What is, has what is the Bible taught us? We, we, we had a series in the book of James, and we learned about uh, what, what happens when we exalt ourself. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? These are, what is he talking about? He's talking about thoughts that come into your mind and exalt themselves and push themselves up against the knowledge of God. In other words, God's word says that you should have peace. But this haughty, pride-filled thought comes to your mind and says you should be super-duper concerned and it's exalting itself against what God's word has said. God's word says peace. This thought says confusion and frustration and fear and anxiety and we're left to decide which of these two we should believe. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Let me read this to you in the Message Bible. It just does such a good job. Says we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Wow. Fitting every loose thought, emotion, and impulse. That pretty much covers the gamut, doesn't it? Every thought, every loose thought, <laughs> this just sounds funny to me, every loose thought, every emotion, how many of you have had some strong emotions before? Every impulse, how many of you have had some strong impulses before? Take all those things and force them to be obedient to what God has said in His Word. Every single thought. We cast those things down. Here's this lofty thought that's trying to come against you to tell you that you're sick. This, this emotion, this impulse, this loose thought comes around. And say, well, looks like it's flu season. Guess you're going to be one of the casualties. No, sir. I'm going to grab a hold of that thought. I'm going to cast it down. I'm going to bring it into captivity. I'm going to force it to be obedient to Jesus. No thought. You're going to bow your knee because Jesus is Lord in this life. Jesus is Lord in this mind. Jesus is Lord in this body. Jesus, the word of God is what is true in what I believe. So you shut your mouth, you lying thing. Amen. you know you can talk to the devil like that? Just letting you know in case you didn't. Every thought must be taken captive and made obedient to Christ and to the knowledge of God. Capture it. Capture that rogue thought. Be intentional about the way you think. Listen, I'm giving you exactly what you need to do every time a negative thought comes from the enemy. I'm telling you exactly how to deal with it. You don't have to search for anything else. This is how you deal with it. From God's word. Capture that thought. Grab a hold of it. Let me say it to you this way every thought that you have needs to be captured and placed into one of two columns the lie column or the truth column there's only two and the word of god is going to be very clear to help define and divide for you which thoughts go in which column you're not going to make it your marriage is going to fail Your kids are going to go sideways. You're going to get cancer and die. Your business is going belly up. Can't believe you thought that you would make it. You're not going to make it. What are you going to do? How are you going to fix this? Your life is spinning out of control. Your world is falling apart faster than you can hold it together. Lie, 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 give me that lie, give me that thought, lie, give me that thought. No, you're not going to exalt yourself. Get in the lie column where you belong. But see, you're not going to know that if you don't know what this word says about what's true. If it's a lie, capture it and let it die. If it's a lie, capture it and let it die. Crucify that thing, man. Kill it. You have the right to put thoughts to death in your mind. No, I'm not going to believe that. No, that's not God's word. That thought is not tall enough to ride the ride. Y'all remember Jesus in the wilderness. The Bible says in Luke chapter four, that after Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, he comes up out of the water. The Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. Everybody hears God's audible voice. What a day. Wouldn't it have been cool to be there on the seashore or the riverside? And here's Jesus coming up out of the water and here's the, the, the... the Holy Spirit descending on him and, and remaining on him like a dove. And, and the Bible says the heavens open, The sky literally opened up. And the voice of the Father came down and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then after that is through, Jesus, you would think Jesus is gonna go start doing ministry and raising people from the dead, but he doesn't. The Bible says, very beginning of chapter four, that the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And he went into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. I get cranky and hangry after 40 minutes. And Jesus was fasting for over a month, praying. And the Bible says at the end of that 40 days, the devil came to him and tempted him and tested him. And the first thing that the devil did was he came to Jesus and the first thing out of his mouth was this if you are the son of God turn these stones into bread now let me just make a quick comment the devil always shows up when you're tired when you're hangry and he always shows up to do two things get you to question what God has said and get you to try to do something in the natural that God promised he would do for you. If you're really the son of God, that's it, well, number one, turn these stones into bread. How does Jesus beat this competing, prideful, arrogant thought that's being that his mind is being pummeled with? I mean, just imagine that you're him for a second. Imagine that you're in this situation and and you've been fasting and, and you just heard a word from the father. I mean, God's voice came through the sky and said, this is my beloved son. And the first thing the devil says is, if you're the son of God, turn these stones to bread. How did Jesus respond to that lofty thought. Remember what we read in 2 Corinthians? Every high thought, every imagination, every vain thing. How did Jesus respond to that vain thought? That's right. He looked at the devil and he said, it is written. Can I tell you something? If you're facing thoughts this morning, and all of us are, if you're facing you know, thoughts of destruction, if you're facing thoughts of fear, if you're facing thoughts that are trying to pin you into the corner and, and, and suck the hope and the joy and the life and the peace of God out of you, can I tell you something? You need to answer every thought the same way that Jesus answered those thoughts. It is written. My pastor said this to me one time. I was having some challenges in my own thought life. You can stand to your feet, by the way. I was having some challenges in my own thought life. And I was struggling with forgiveness. And and the my struggle with forgiveness was causing me to get very anxious. And I was dealing with anxiety, and I'm not a very anxious person. Okay. Stay stay with me for this last part because this is really gonna help somebody. I'm not a very anxious person at all, naturally. I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky. I'm usually the loudest person in the room, and I'm making jokes that are right on the borderline of appropriate. And I'm usually, I'm usually the one that's trying to just. Be the life of the party and have fun. I'm not a, I'm not an anxious, heavy, weighed down kind of person. I'm usually pretty light, and I was dealing with a situation in my life, and I was dealing with unforgiveness and really struggling with it. And I was talking to my pastor about it, and I said, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm having a lot of anxiety, and I don't know where it's coming from. And I was waking up in the middle of the night and having to catch my breath. I'd be sound asleep and I'd wake up. My heart would be racing. Not because I had a bad dream, not because I had anything. But I'm having this panic overwhelm me and this intense anxiety. And I'm going, what is this all about? This is not me. What's happening? I was just talking to my pastor about it he was helping me work through some of this unforgiveness and he made this statement to me and and i've heard it several times now he said josh you don't beat thoughts with thoughts you beat thoughts with words and i thought oh my gosh you see, I would have this panic want to come on me and overtake me in the middle of the night. And if my wife is sleeping next to me, I'm not going to wake her up. And I started to recognize that in those moments, I can't combat the thoughts with by just trying to outthink them. I've got to respond to the lies of the enemy the same way that Jesus responded in the book of Luke in the wilderness. It is written. It is written. It is written. Oh, you're not going to make it. It is written. Your marriage is going to fall apart. It is written. Your children are going to go off the rails. It is written. Your body is going to fail and fall apart. It is written. You're going to succumb to disease. It is written. You're going to succumb to depression and anxiety. It is written. Boo, I'm here to take all your hope away. It is written. got to learn to respond to thoughts with the word of almighty God if Jesus had to you think you're going to escape that <laughs> if Jesus answered the devil with the word what are you and I supposed to do we're supposed to follow in his example hey Amen. has this helped you this morning does this strengthen you? I pray that you're encouraged. Why don't you bow your heads for just a moment? Thanks again for listening to the Hope Church Podcast. Our church exists to see people from all walks of life know Jesus, connect and grow, discover their purpose, and make a difference in this world. If you would like to connect with us further, or if you need prayer or assistance, please visit us at hopeboon.com, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.